See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Hello, hello, once again, all you out there in podcast listener land. This is Slow Robot A Go-Go, show number 19. My name is Mal, and I'm coming to you from the land of K-pop and me remembering why I moved to Florida. That's right. Uh, winter is upon us, and although I haven't seen the that little funny things that are white that fall from the sky and eventually make you slip and fall, I know I will be very soon. Uh, I'd also like to apologize in advance for probably the audio sounds a little bit uh, different than it usually does. I have a very lovely uh, blue snowball USB mic condenser mic over there, and the reason it's sitting in the corner is because the cable that I use to connect it is with my external hard drive uh, that I loaned to somebody so they could pilfer my music. Okay, moving on. Last time we uh, we did the Neanderthal Man, and that was a bit rough. Well, this week, boy, do I have a wonderful, wonderful surprise. Say, do you like your cast to hate each other and have zero chemistry? And boy, do I have the, sh- the movie for you. Of course I'm talking about the 1981 Roger Corman classic that is Galaxy of Terror. This is kind of like ABBA meets the Terminator meets Aliens meets Titanic meets Kiss Saves Christmas. All wrapped into one little goodie. I'm going to start, as usual, by dropping in the intro, in which we have a wonderful, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like a a game master, who I think her name was Mira, yes, a game master uh, sitting there across the the, um, strange, no, the the game master, her name was Mitri, and... uh, She's identified as the controller of the game, and the other one who is the game master, speaking uh, cryptically, uh, is on the other side putting things into motion. So I'm going to drop that segment in as our intro and our lovely uh, introduction to this gem of an awesome greatness movie. Enjoy.
Earth is a small world on the fringes of occupied space. I am Mitri, the interpreter of the signs, the oracle of the game. I play at the bidding of the all-powerful one, planet master of Xerxes. Master, we have lost all contact with the Remus. First the hyperwave and now even the bioscans show nothing. Location? Morganthus. We don't know why they landed there. Morganthus. You would do that. Such risk. It's been too long. I'm tired of waiting. Death will surround you. It is the only way. A terrible way. But sure. Yes, Master? Put together a Class 3 ship with the normal exploratory and defense equipment. You will command the rescue mission. I will personally select the crew. They are not to be informed of this. Yes, Master. Now, old woman, leave me. The waiting is over. I play alone. Okay, there you have it. That's the backstory for what little it is. Now, this movie, as I said earlier, was made, was, I think, written and directed, no, not written, it was just made by, produced by, or directed by uh, Roger Corman. Now, it's no secret that I am a huge Roger Corman fan. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is Death Race 2000, and he, if he's, if he's brilliant enough to bring me that, then of course I'm a fan. He's also known for using very young talent, both actors and behind the camera. And those actors often go on to much bigger and better things, such as the case with Galaxy of Terror. The first thing you're going to notice when you, when you watch this movie is it seems very familiar. And I mean, like, really familiar. It's not that it's the... 70s styling of the hair and all that kind of stuff and the 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 battle or the you know the um the outfits kind of make you think of the original Battlestar Galactica TV series. That's not a bad thing. That's a re- those were really cool outfits and this harkens back to those days. No, you're going to look at that and that this movie and say, "You know, this really reminds me of like Aliens or the battle scenes from the future in the Terminator." And, yeah, you're going to want to guess why? Well, I'll tell you why. That's because the um, second unit director and also the, um, what the heck was he in this one? Production, like set set design, uh, production designer, was none other than James Cameron. So, James Cameron... Uh, worked as the production designer and also the second unit director of film. And, my God, you can sure tell. The, it's almost, some parts are almost indistinguishable um, when you're looking at, like, when you're looking at the, uh, the aliens set and the, and how, in how much this movie must have really influenced um, James Cameron because, Wow. Yeah, the other thing I notice is you can't really tell that it's low budget. I mean, 
there's some things that say, yeah, this is a low budget affair. But for the most part, when you're looking at when you're watching this movie, it doesn't stink of of low budget. You know, I was doing a lot of research about this movie and I found out that, you know, some of the hallways were actually like McDonald's takeout styrofoam containers and stuff. But you don't notice it. You can't tell. Like when you're watching this movie, it really is like, you know, the sets and stuff. No, I mean, it's obviously it's not like, you know, uh, millions of dollars put into this movie. I think the I think uh, Roger Corman said the budget was 700000 And um, for the actors that are in this and for the sets, I think he did a incredible job. So... That's um, the influence of James Cameron is awesome, to say the least. Okay, so enough of me uh, being all creamy over the glory that is the set. Let's talk a little bit about it. Um, first of all, one thing that I did notice is the, there's a lot of big names in this movie, and not like big names. I mean, everyone in this movie has had a very, very long and very successful acting career. You know, both a little bit prior and 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 much a- and afterwards, I think um, all of them are still in movies, except for Ray uh, Ray Walston, who has of course passed away. He died, I think, uh, early two thousands, two thousand one or two thousand two. So, who is our cast of this wonderful, wonderful movie? Okay, there's um oh the the First person that you see, is, not the one of the first people you see, is Aaron Moran of Joni Loves Chachi fame. I'm kidding, of course, from Happy Days. And I was kind of, I kind of figured this would be like after Happy Days, but believe it or not, this was filmed during that period. She was a regular on Love Boat and a regular on Happy Days, while and this was like kind of right in the middle. Granted, it was the end of Happy Days. You know, I think there was like three more years, and we all know what those years were. Those were the Jump the Shark years. But she was still in that TV show. So scoring Aaron Moran for this movie was great. Ray Walston, of course, was Mr. Hand from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I like how I do that instead of My Favorite Martian and all the other wonderful things he's done, but whatever. There was a guy who kind of it was the leader, but he wasn't the leader because another guy was, you know. There was a guy who was, like, taking charge of these things, and his name was Balon. He was played by Zalman King. So the tension between him and another guy named Edward Albert, uh, or Karen, uh, who was played by Edward, Edward Albert. Um, Edward Albert's been in a lot of stuff, but nothing that really jumps out at me. Um, but he has a, a, a big career. He was one of those dudes with like a big dimpled chin, you know. He was like kind of manlyish, and so okay, we have the the person that's like you know leads the team out in the field. That was uh, that was Balon, and then we have the he he keeps like putting down uh, Cabrin. Apparently, Cabrin was a, a commander, but then got demoted or he wasn't for this mission so that other guy has to be a dick all the time and uh and then or Aaron Moran was Cabrin's girlfriend and she was a what what do they call it like a psi ah shit uh, like a sensed energies so i i can't think of it. i can't remember what the weird name of it was 
um, a size-sensitive woman. That's what it was. They called her a PSI-sensitive woman. So she's a size-sensitive woman. Yay for that. And then, of course, um, Ray Walston played Kor, who was on the... He was on the ship as the cook, but the plot thickens. We'll we'll find out more about him later. Then in like the uh, the engineering room, uh, we see one of the very first roles of your friend and mine, Robert Ungland. He plays a, a character called Rain, Ranger, and he is as awesome as he was in Freddy in this. There was also a very lovely woman, uh, I think her name was Damia, Damia, I think I'm saying that right, and I'm afraid I'm going to butcher her name, because I don't know how to say this name. It looks like Giraffe O'Connell to me, with a T, so, Taff O'Connell, Taffy, Taffy, I don't know, T-A-A-F-F-E, that's her first name, that's her real first name, so, Taff O'Connell, that's what I'm going to call her. Because I'm going to have to talk about one of the most popular scenes of all time in B-movie history and of this from and from this. And she stars it. The, um, the next person that, that you'll, you'll meet in this is Sid Haig. Uh, he plays a crystal triangle throwing deaf mute. He says one line, but I don't understand it. He, like, is, he does hand signals, but then he says like a line out of nowhere. So, Sid Haig, uh, he is still very, very popular in a lot of the horror genre. Basically, his role, um, he, he was the bald, um, uh, terrorizing guy before bald, tattooed guy took over his, most of his roles. I think you all know who I'm talking about. Um, then we, we also meet, who else is it? Okay, there's, a uh, Captain Trainer. she's the one... Who flies the the this uh, the spaceship to the desolate isle to the desolate um, planet? She plays like this really wacky, unstable person. Like the first thing she does is blast off with thirty seconds notice, and then as soon as they come out of the the takeoff, she hits the button again, and then they do like a a warp when there nobody's ready and people are falling all over, which causes uh, Robert Englund to have the greatest seat in all of history during a takeoff uh taff o'connell robert england can't get his seatbelt uh locked so she basically like you know straddles him she's in her seat and she like wraps her legs around him and wow freddie you got a good seat for that one brother so then we the only other two people that that are of consequence are um a, a fellow a young guy named Koss. Uh, Koss is the, he's the spaz of the journey. So basically, uh, I guess I'll do this now. Every sci-fi movie seems to have, uh, the resident spaz. Uh, I'm going to drop in the world's most famous sci-fi spaz, and then when I come back, we'll talk more about Koss. There you go. 
that's what I'm saying. This movie greatly influenced what we consider sci-fi classics. So, basically, the all-time greatest, um, game over, man, this, in Galaxy of Terror, that is played by Kaz. And Kaz, Kaz isn't such a freakazoid, or he's more of like a twitchy spaz and a cryy, whiny kind of spaz. And that, he's the first guy to get killed, and pretty much everyone's happy about that, including the audience, including probably his parents who are saddened by his lack of spine. I don't know how to describe it. He is the atypical super spaz of this sci-fi adventure. And he is dispatched of, quickly, by a hideous spider monster. So, okay. Well, now, I mean, I've gone to... I've gone over, like, the, the cast. I will say... Now I'm going to talk about the story so, so you can get an idea of what this is all about. You know? Basically, there there's this planet called Morganth- Morganthus. Um, and there was a there was a survivor of a crash spaceship, um, and 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 but and they're all like the whole crew is killed, and then we finally see that the last person gets killed. So as I mentioned before, there was there's these two people playing this this game, you know, the controller and the master and and the planet master. They're speaking cryptically. So basically, the the, ma- the master instructs uh, one of his military commanders to set to send a ship. To, to Morgan- Morganthus. So then they, uh, this is that's where they take off. That's where this this crew of people that hate each other horribly um, take off. And uh, basically, you know, Captain Trainer, she her story is like she's the survivor from a famous space disaster. Uh, that's why she's so nutty and, and and unstable. So as this ship approaches you know it suddenly veers out of control and then it crash lands so the the um so the crew of course it's not like massive damage just whatever it crashes so the crew gets together and they go out for their to search for the survivors from that crashed um spaceship you know and then so uh uh, Aluma, who is uh, Aaron Morgan's, you know, sci-sensitive uh, woman, she's out there with the team, you know, and uh, basically, you know, she's like a super sensitive person, and then that Balon is like the most biggest, he's the biggest dick in the world, you know, so they're making their way across this landscape, and they find the vessel, and they go in it, and it's, it, you know, you can see, you can see that there was like a massacre there. So they split the, the the team into groups, and they go to find evidence of what happened here. You know, um, and one of the funniest scenes: they go into this freaking spaceship, and um, like a body kind of hangs. You know, the the the, the famous um, spring-loaded cat, where a body flips down, and and he's and he's dead, and he's like, oh, and everyone jumps. Sid Haig whips a freaking one of his crystal triangles into the thing's back, and then as soon as he pulls it out, Balon shoots it with a disintegrating ray. So that's how they handle dead people in this movie. Um, they shoot them with disintegrator rays. I don't understand. Like they don't even really establish what happened. They kind of glance at it and go, "Oh, a dead body!" Boom, flash, um, smoke squib, and the body's gone. So that's odd. 
So they break up into groups. And then that's where Koth really shines as the spaz of the whole thing. I mean, he spazzes it up like a twitchy, caffeinated... I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. You're, so, But he's the first to go. So they all leave. They do take one body with so they can be analyzed. And um, and they leave, they leave Spaz behind, and Spaz gets destroyed by a big spider. And yay for that. So they go, they go back, and they, you know, and they're, um, they're looking at what pulled them down to the planet. So basically, you know, they discover that, um, although, like, there's this massive, um, pyramid kind of thing. Kind of looks like a big space anus, but we'll call it a pyramid. So, you know, and, and, uh, Aluma says, oh, it's, it's like dead and empty. There's nothing there, but there is something there. So they all go in there, and they basically get dispatched one at a time by, um, they, they, you know, they keep getting killed. And the, each, all the, all the, um, act, all the people are, they, they overact their fears. You know, Aaron Morgan is obviously the most claustrophobic person that's ever lived in the history of the world, you know, and, um, Sid Haig it only loves the crystals, you know, and that other guy is just a douche, so he's a douchebag, you know. So they and what happens is they all end up getting killed off one at a time by like what's their biggest fear, you know. So like Sid Haig, his his um his crystal things smash when he like keeps it tries to keep a big concrete door open with them so they they break. And then he goes back, and one of them crawls up his arm, so he chops his own arm off and dies, you know. And then one, um, of course, you know, Aluma, uh, she gets crushed by, you know, being in a small area, and then these things kill her, you know. Like, there's some, they're not bad. These the alien, the monster-looking things are actually pretty well done. There's some stop animation in there, you know, that's kind of dated, but, uh, you know. Even Ray Harryhausen's stuff looks dated. It's it's still good, though. So basically, uh, oh, I did want to say, one of the things I loved about their outfits is the backpacks. I don't really know how to describe them. They're like plastic, like, form-fitted, and they just have little, like, cradles that go over the shoulders, and they have big head hung. They have, like, big lights coming up over the shoulders, they actually stay on when the people are running. They look like they wouldn't work, but they do. And uh, I thought they were really cool. They were really nice touch, and they do look really weathered. You know, they look like they were used. So I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. So okay, basically, the 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 last thing, the last death I'm going to talk about before we uh, get into the end scene here is, of course. Um, Taff O'Connell's death. And this movie is kind of like... This scene is kind of renowned and known for what, what this scene is. Okay, so uh, the very lovely Taff O'Connell. Um, this scene, she basically gets uh, you know raped and killed by a giant guar-looking like space maggot thing. Now, generally speaking... I'm not real like super fond of that, those kind of scenes. I don't I don't really like them. They don't usually add anything to movies. 
Um, I, just, I don't know why. I just don't really care for him. But this is one of those scenes where you watch it and it was edited and shot in a way that you're like, wow, this is making me feel really funny in the pants. You know what I mean? Like it's really – I don't know how – I don't. it just is very erotic and very like – Wow, it's just something. I don't know. There's something about how this one was set up that that makes you uh, go, "Wow, that is sure is a woman having sex with a big space squirrel maggot." So they don't show anything. Um, you know, they don't show too much. It's more of like a, you know the psycho uh, quick edits and stuff like that. And uh, from what I understand, originally the MPAA gave it an X rating. And what happened was they um, – so they, they cut a lot of scenes out, where, which showed a lot more of the writhing and the – I think in the original cut, the um, uh, Taff O'Connell um, you know, was shown like enjoying it at, at, towards the end, and then she was killed, and that gave it an X rating. And probably they showed some other weird tentacle stuff before Japan took that over. And um, – but that got cut out, and I guess from what I understand, it's not even on the Blu-ray uh, releases. It's it, that footage just got lost, so it's just gone, uh, buried in Jersey with Jimmy Hoffa. So uh, some interesting things was the original producer or the original director didn't want to do the scene, so Corman was like, "Get move over, Jackson," and he shot it. And also, Taff O'Connell, and you know, God, I wish I knew how to say her name right. I'm just. It bothers me that I don't know if I'm saying it correctly or not. But so Taff O'Connell uh, also didn't agree to the to the excessive nudity and stuff like that. So Corman used a body double, and it, it turned out really good. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. But it was very uh, erotic and very she was very dead. So there you go, worm space guar rape scene. And now we're left with the last two characters, Cobran and. Um, uh, Robert England's uh, ranger. So, oh, Cabrin, not Corman. Yeah. So, so Cabrin and Ranger are left. Uh, they are the only ones that who haven't died. At this point, um, Ranger, played by Robert England, uh, kind of he he gets into a locked area of this pyramid and he actually um, starts fighting himself. And this is where you can see. The, the the god who is our future Freddy Krueger, he comes out to play in this scene, and it is great. Um, it was very reminiscent of one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite movies, The Army of Darkness, and I'm going to drop that in just for a quick breather. So here is Bruce Campbell's version of what the ranger Robert England did in this movie. Oh, 
Man, do I love Army of Darkness. Okay, so that's basically the the interpretation of what Robert Englund does, you know. And then he, but he doesn't kill himself. He finally goes, "Oh, I get it. This is all just an illusion, and I'm creating it." And for figuring that out, he escapes with his life. So him and Cabrin uh, end up in the like the the grand hall of this thing, and then we are introduced to Ray Walston. He comes out and he's like, "Oh." I'm the, I'm not just the cook. I'm a, I'm the, the the planet master, the game master. And at that point, I guess Robert England said, "I have had enough of this movie," and he leaves. And then it's just um, that Cabrin walks up some invisible steps, and then we have the end scene between him and the game master. And I'm gonna drop that in, and then I'm gonna come back for the final thoughts of this awesome, awesome movie. Okay, there you have it. That's the ending. Uh, No spoiler alert, alert, as I've already established, these movies are ancient. So, at the very end, we have the reveal that the pyramid was actually for kids of an ancient ancient species. And, you know, Ray Walston dies, Cavern's the new game master, and that's the end. This movie is awesome. Uh, I'm going to definitely say this is one of those that you have to buy. Um, 
normally these kind of B movies um, lack the kind of historical or or you know you, something's missing. You know, they they miss something that you're like, well, you don't really have to buy this one. But this is one that I think if you're a fan of James Cameron, if you're a fan of sci-fi, and if you love the deep space uh, stuff like I do, because I love Aliens, I love the Terminator, and like any of that deep space exploration where somebody spazzes out and, you know, people are getting killed by whatever, I'm on board with all that. So this has the right combination of awesome. Uh, thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed this review uh, if you have any questions or comments please feel free to email me at zenbone at hotmail.com and uh, I hope you send me your suggestions or if you have any movies you'd like to see me uh, review either one way or the other I am always open to suggestions I've gotten a new uh, shipment from my friend Val, so I have a lot of really good ones to choose from. All right, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all next time.